Hey, it's Steve. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to give you a heads up that this episode doesn't have quite the audio quality that I would prefer. We had some technical issues come up on my end and it affects the sound of my voice during the recording. And there's also uh, some buzzing in a few spots as well. So apologies for that. I hope it won't get in the way of you enjoying this conversation. This is Paradoxical, the podcast about the psychology behind big success in small business. I'm your host, Steve McCready. And today I am joined by Cindy Busenhart of Merge for Socks. Hey, Cindy, happy Friday. Good to have you here. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. I've been looking forward to getting Cindy on the podcast for a while for a number of reasons. One of which is that, well, I like their socks. I mean, Merge 4 has great socks, but two, Merge 4 is based in Santa Cruz and that's where I'm from. And so anytime I have an opportunity to connect with a business that's there, it's like this whole cool combination of things. So uh, looking forward to our conversation, but Cindy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, give us your background, and then it's kind of the origin story of Merge 4. My name's Cindy Busenhart. I've been in the action sports industry for years. But my last position prior to this was in, in snow sports in particular. I sat on the board of Snow Sports Industries of America, and I co-owned one of the original snowboard brands. And from that, I learned all kinds of things about technical outerwear. And that business ended up being sold to a Japanese public company which was exciting and awesome at the time, but it actually opened the door to other things. And so once that was sold, I did a couple other things, but then I took my son to Lake Tahoe and my son skateboards. So he kicks flips all the time and he blows his shoes and socks out and wanted to go to dinner, but he had these bloody little stubs on the side of his feet from kick flipping and the grip tape going. And uh, so I was, I wouldn't take it without at least getting him socks. And so we went into a sock store and I actually grabbed a few pairs of socks and examined them and was like, you know, we could take some of the aspects of technical outerwear and make socks, which is an underdeveloped category, more performance based, meaning you can make them moisture wicking. You can try to make them stay warm, you know, when it's cold out cool when it's warm out. You can add a little compression into those. So your blood is circulating properly, but not too much where it's a total medical grade, but just where, you know, you can play sports longer and, and not get so tired out. My son was one of those kids that didn't like tags or the sides of socks. So much like you, Steve, who seemed to have a love-hate relationships with socks, he definitely did. So I tried to build socks that he would wear actually. But one of the things that was most important to me was to do this business starting from scratch. I wanted to be a, a certified B Corp, meaning that if anything got out of my way, that was already established and somebody had, would have to go forward with that, with that um, philosophy and mission, or it would cost them a lot of money to get out of it. <laughs> So let me ask about that while you've brought it up. If I get sorry to interrupt, but I, but I, while we're on the topic of B Corp, so that was for you really a core founding value of sorts. And why was it that that was a thing you wanted to really make sure you did as you were creating the company? I think it's really important. I think it's important to do business for good. And I think people lose sight of that. So if you establish that from the get go, everybody knows your team knows your internal team knows, which is important. Your external team knows, your shareholders, your board members, 
so those, they all know that those are important values to you right out of the gate, you know, making sure that we're as sustainable as possible is important. And for me, especially giving back to the community that has been so generous to us, you mentioned that you're from Santa Cruz, so you can appreciate the mere fact that I live three and a half miles from the beach, but I have redwood trees on our property. So, I mean, we have such a beautiful, beautiful town that community is very, very important to me. And, you know, the sustainability aspect to everything is is very important and reducing our, our footprint is super important. So those are the things that really kind of resonate with me. And then making sure that we do everything that we can to take care of our, our team. You know, I want to make sure that people understand that, yeah, great that you're doing this interview with me, but you're only doing this interview with me because I have an amazing team. And our, our leadership team with regard to our um, board members, we've got amazing shareholders that are, have been incredibly kind, even in the worst conditions. And our internal team that drives this business every day, they're amazing. And again, I wouldn't be sitting here without all of them. So, I mean, what I'm hearing here really at multiple levels is for you, there's this real desire to be mindful and honoring of the big picture and understanding the whole story, whether it's in the concept of being a B Corp and thinking about things like sustainability and really doing good in the world, but also with just recognizing how much your organization, it's a team and that without all those pieces, it doesn't work. So it's all kind of this holistic, like whole group sort of thing that seems like something that's fundamental to how you're looking at things. It totally is. And each team member being leadership team or, you know, shareholders or really started there where, you know, they were believing in, in that mission, in stocks of all things of a category. Initially, I had Rob Roskop look at my business plan. He was the original shareholder, him and another guy named Geely Locatelli. Rob was awesome in the sense that you know, we have done other things and worked in other groups together. And as I kind of beat up my business plan, Rob Roskop comes from, he's the founder of Santa Cruz Mountain Bikes. And I have deep respect for him. He's done some amazing things from the ground up. So having him look that up and having him come over as a shareholder has been awesome. Then after him, I had Nico Peruzzi and his lovely wife, Anne, but Nico sits on the board Nico and Anne really kept the company with a heartbeat. I mean, they were the ones that really invested in Merge 4. Without them, we wouldn't be here. So I'm I'm grateful to everybody. But the, those two in particular has, have done so much. And they really went out um, and did a friends and family round. And when I say a friends and family, it was mostly their friends and family. But they really did a great job at that. And also Nico does analytics. So I get a lot of reports that are amazing. And then they're, you know, he's done things for Nestle's and Netflix and, and large companies. I was used to getting uh, reports like that from Snow Sports Industries of America when I vice chaired that. So that was really nice to get that, the level of reporting. And the way Nico kind of explains it is that that reporting tells you what you, what you think you know, but you don't know. And he, and he's totally right. And then I've had other board members. Jason Acuna is better known as Wee Man. He sat on the board for a long time and he was, he's invested in things, loaned the company money, really kind of helped push things forward, got us a jackass sock. And, and for that, again, I'm, I'm forever grateful. Amazing teams. And then lastly, Guy Kawasaki, who's known for Apple fame. 
I love him. I love the fact that actually all of these gentlemen that I'm speaking about are all family oriented. And so that's really important to me. They, they, I think they have their priority square. Guy also has a podcast, the Remarkable People podcast, and he's been very, very helpful. He helped Merge for actually really pivot during COVID and really brought things to my attention. I had a good foundation of what was going on. I do a lot of business in Asia. Guy came into it with a, a different understanding. I think Guy's was a lot more higher level than mine. It was it was really, really great. And it allowed us to move fast and, and survive under pretty harsh conditions. So yeah, I, I, I can't thank those people enough, you know, and, and our team has ebbed and flowed, but the core of people have stayed except one person, Keith Meek, who created our logos and their first original socks. And then Cole Lemke kind of t- took the baton and, and, and it's taken it from there for several years. Solid, solid team, solid sales people, Jocelyn Massey, Chris Busenhard, a lot of people have, have really kind of helped move merge for. So it's not, it's not a one person type of thing. It's definitely a village. I want to ask about this because what you've identified is like, you know, this team and all these different people and all these really valuable connections. So one of the things I'm curious about for you is the process of building and nurturing connections and relationships and then engaging them in the process of building and supporting the business. How have you done that, I guess, over the years? And what's your, I don't know about secret, but just how have you done that as you've evolved the business and continue to move forward? I think it's 100% snark. I'm super snarky. I've had the opportunity to meet people at different times and phases in my life. Probably Rob out of that group is, I've known him the longest. I, I think as you grow on in life, people either rely on you or come to respect you over time. And, and I think I mentioned gratitude a lot. I think people know that I'm, I'm grateful for contributions and I try to give back as much as I can when I can. And there's several times that I've fallen short, but I think for the most part, people have been really good about picking me up and helping me and kind of pointing me in the right direction and solid, solid team and, solid foundation and trying to make the best decisions I can with the information that I have in front of me and acknowledging at times when I'm wrong and kind of going from there. But I think, again, the, the fundamental of everything is, is to, I think, to be happy and to find humor, even in the worst situations. So that's, that's kind of my mojo anyway. But I met Guy in particular. He was a keynote speaker and he was looking at socks and I, I kind of slapped his hand and was like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And he goes, what do you think I'm going to steal those? I'm like, come on. They're great socks. So <laughs> kind of went from there. I appreciate him. I think my story differs than his, but you know, he had called up the next day or emailed the next day that his kids and his family like really, really liked the socks after he had done his keynote and um, cause they'd given him some, which I, you know, I appreciate that, that, that kind of feedback goes a long way in a review of a sock goes a long way. So I appreciate that. So I just said, Hey, you know, I'll throw my name in a hat. I'm sure you've got many, if you want to mentor anybody. And he said, yeah, if you want to come by 
like next Saturday, that'd be great. Uh, and how's eight o'clock for coffee? And I was just flying in from Asia and I'm like, I can't, I can be there at one, but I can't be there because I'm flying in from Asia. So he's like, huh? So you'd show up the same day. I'm like, yeah, of course. So then he goes, well, how about Sunday? He said he didn't do it intentionally, but Sunday, if you've traveled, especially to Asia, you were just knocked down. So I was like, okay, I will be there. <laughs> I think that was a test of my perseverance, perhaps, but we've gotten along like with all, all of them. I, I'm again, they're just the best people, the salt of the earth. I, you know, couldn't, I couldn't be a luckier person. Yeah. I think one of the things you highlighted here is, you know, for you, it might be snark and that might be true for me too on occasion, but you know, <laughs> for everyone personality, they, we all have our own personalities, but I think that this is the thing I hear here is it sounds like that moment you described with guys. It's just like, you were just being you. Right. Just your kind of, your kind of snarky attitude. And that resonates with people because it's genuine. It's not going to resonate with everyone, but it resonates with a certain group. And this is part of how we, I think, find the people and the right people for us, right? Is by being ourselves and being true to that. I appreciate these people and, and the banter back and forth, actually. Now let's come back to the socks because I did interrupt the origin stories. So you do your initial design of the socks based on, you know, your background conversations with your son and his complaints. And so I assume you tested them initially or had your son test them for you. What happened? I had a lot of people test him. You know, I've been talking about Rob. Rob's brought in a bunch of amazing athletes. So when those type of people put it to the test and they're like, okay, you know, that moisture wicking sole is great. There's a cushion on there that it helps impact. Uh, I'm not getting blisters. I usually get blisters. I usually lose toenails you know, all those types of things weren't happening. So we knew we had something good. And then the sustainability side of it was kind of the next step. You know, what can we do to make sure that these socks are sustainable? And so like the pair you're wearing right now is a mechanical bamboo process. And that bamboo process uses less water than regular bamboo. Then we have other things that we use, like different dyes that are plant-based dyes you know, your coffees and your turmeric's and your cabbage that actually create colors. So those things are super important, I think, in general. And, you know, not everybody appreciates that. Initially creating the brand, I wanted to make sure that we created high-quality performance-based socks, but that were also creatively designed as well. So that kind of merged, excuse the pun, like merged in all the artists and the athletes, you know, to use either their art or their likeness and apply that to to socks. So then everybody wins. It really is a, a company where there's so many levels of people winning by selling a sock that actually works. So socks are durable, they're functional. And of course, all of the socks are sustainable. We're learning to become more and more sustainable as we go. So when we first started out, you talked about B Corps. When we, when we first started out, we had our B Corp impact score of 97.2, I think. And you needed to have an 80 score to become certified. And that process is arduous. Like when you think you're doing super good, you're very humbled because you're, you you know you go through a whole testing process and then it's reviewed 
So you can say you're, you're doing everything right. And then there's the review process that actually certifies what you're saying. So I know I've got a number of your socks, including some of the bamboo ones, which I actually happen to be wearing today. And I really like they're really they're They feel great. They're nice and, and comfortable. And am I remembering correct that you've also made some socks out of Reprieve, the um, recycled sure. plastic material? Yeah, actually, Reprieve is pretty good. We've used Reprieve, which has plastic bottles versus like virgin polyester. And you really want that for for your listeners that are thinking that they want a 100% cotton sock. You actually don't, just like you don't want to ski in 100% cotton anything because you actually want it to wick moisture. Your feet sweat more than anything. So you want it to wick moisture and that polyester will help you and it'll also help you with the circulation by giving a little extra compression. But yeah, I have this somewhere. I think by using Reprieve, we have, you know, utilized 28,000 bottles over a, a short period of time. And that, that'll probably go up even more as we do the next review at the end of 2023. So yeah, it's just, it's so exciting that they're using, using plastic bottles for this and it stays out of the ocean and the landfill. And again, you know, you want to be near and dear to that ocean out there because there's so much we don't know about it. So it's kind of like the last frontier, but yeah, we want to get as much out of there and from plastic straws to plastic bottles. I mean, this is one of the cool things for you being a sock company is some of these alternative materials, whether it's Reprieve, whether it's the bamboo, are things that in some ways work better, as you've pointed out, than cotton, for example, as a sock material. Because there's there's a number of things here, right, that, that your socks, they... They hold their, you know, their firmness and their elasticity better. They definitely stay like almost all the other socks I ever end up with. Eventually, just, you know, they start falling down all the time and all of that. So there's a lot of advantages there. But the one question I have as we're going into winter and my feet are starting to get colder is do you have or are you planning to have any wool socks at any point in the future? Okay, controversial for me because there's a muled and a non-muled sock. So the ethical treatment of sheep is something that I have a hard time with. So I know that people really appreciate the wool factor in this, but, you know, as far as bamboo is concerned, it, it, it has the same properties. It's going to wick moisture. It's going to keep you warm. It's going to do all those same things. The same with most of these socks because they are. So I'm not a big fan of wool. And in, until there's a process that is, you know, more ethical, I'll probably bring that in. But right now, the vast majority is is not as ethical as I'd like it to be. So can you expound a little bit upon that? That's not something I was actually aware of, but I'd like, I'd like to understand. And I think it'd be good for the, the audience to know a little bit more about yeah, that. So they they remove the tail aspect in an interesting way. <laughs> and so that's as much as I really want to go into that, but I just don't, it's, it's just not a, it's not ethical for me. You know, where we're located, we're actually located maybe a quarter mile from land of medicine Buddha, which, which is all Buddhist area. And so, you know, we're pretty, pretty focused on ethics, I think overall. So well, I think that's an important thing that again, I've, I mean, people talk a lot about the benefits of wool and you know, all of that, but what you're just describing here is not something that I was previously aware of. So I, I appreciate you bringing that into the, the conversation. Um, Some of the things that we do use is tensile and hemp. So tensile mm-hmm. is derived from wood so we have socks made of that. So there's a lot of opportunity that are sustainable and I think more ethical for me. 
you know, I'm sure there's things that I don't know about that somebody's going to come in and say, you don't know about ABC, which is fine because I'm always open to learn more things. But yeah, I think, you know, ethical manufacturing for me is really, really important. And there's a lot of things to be said about that, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, it is cool. Like I said, there's, there's multiple materials that you're able to use that are sustainable, that are good from an environmental standpoint, but also make for good materials for socks. So that that's really cool. Talk a little bit about the, the process of manufacturing the socks and how sustainability comes into that as far as different ways of doing it and um, and all of that. Sure. I mean, the manufacturers that we use have ethical practices and they're certified. So they could be like blue sign or they could have like a, a different plant dye standard, but they're all certified to do that. I've actually gone there and kicked the tires. So I, I know what the, the standards are there. And I think people have a, a, a bit of a jaded view of where things are made. Most of our goods are made in Taiwan and it's not based off of cheap labor by any means. It's more the engineering process because it is an engineering process and the, and the quality of the people that are working there and, and, and running those machines. It, it's just, it's so important to know all those things and kick those tires as best as you can before you go in there and, and, and start talking to people. But I think the safety is important, the high values that they have, ethical treatment of team members and their standards overall. And if they're certified, much like B Corp, it's one thing, you know, talking about it and it's the other thing of, you know, walking the walk. So the people that we deal with are, are high level, ethical, kind people. And I've been dealing with them for years, so that's nice. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand is just how much in you know Taiwan, among other places, how much they have evolved and developed their engineering skills. And they are, from a quality standpoint, able to produce things that are certainly as good a quality as anywhere else in the world, if not even better. I'd say better, you know, like, and that's arguable, but um, what they're producing and the, and the way they're producing it and the machinery that they're using, it's, it's just top quality. And when you use top quality things and work with top quality people, you get top quality products and merge four socks are just the quality of those socks are, are great. And um, we've worked really, really hard to produce a product that's good. And to me, everything will fall in place if the product's there. And we've had highs and lows at merge four. We haven't done series A, like much like, you know, so two of the big brands have, you know, started off with uh, over a hundred million dollars, both of them. We've just done small friends and family rounds. So we haven't had that big money, but overall, like these socks are, I'll, I'll, I can, I'll, I'd go to bat with them, <laughs> you know, against the best of the best, because I think the, the quality of the products there. I only have had my own experience of, of different socks, but I would certainly say that I, I would, I would not dispute that. I would, they are, they feel different. They definitely age differently and, and hold up better for sure. And then beyond that. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about the socks and the materials and all of that. It's not just that, that I think makes your socks so cool. Let's talk some about the designs and the collaborations that you do with different artists because you have socks done by all kinds of different artists and designers. I think to hear a little bit more about how that's evolved in the business and how those things generally come to be and come to pass. 
Again, it's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon going on right there. So we have some amazing designers, like just amazing artists and amazingly kind people. So it's one thing about having great art and it's another thing about being good people. And these people are awesome. Taylor Reinhold has done some stuff with Pangea Seed. He's done a lot of the murals around town. He actually did, I gosh, I know he'll probably be like, no, that's not the right number, but they did like 20 some odd murals in Santa Cruz within a week's period of time and flew people out. And the murals are stunning. I mean, really the community aspect of all these people and what they do are amazing. So you've got stuff like Jimbo Phillips, who's got that kind of eye bulging out to Steve Caballero, who is really a self-taught artist. That that man is epic with regard to all of these, the things that he's been able to achieve from skateboarding and still skateboarding to this day to art, to motorcycles. He's just an all around athlete and a good guy. But I think that's really the fun part is to get getting to deal with all these people and their personalities and, you know, what they're doing in the community and, and beyond. That part has been super, super fun. And how do these partnerships, once you connect with them and say, hey, we'd like to do a collaboration with you, have you do a design for us? How does it work as far as the partnership goes? Is it a thing of you pay them for a design? There's some kind of um, partnership thing or how does that work? Uh, we have a partnership agreement with them where they get a certain percentage of royalty. And again, if, if you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of just paying someone, you know, I, I think everything should be shared for the most part. So they get a piece of the pie. If they promote it, the more they promote it, the better it is. And you've got people that really promote hard and people that just don't. And that's okay too. But really it's, it's been an, an amazing thing of athletes and, and artists, you know, when, when you have Jason Acuna, who, who again, better known as Wee Man going to the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk to do meet and greets, you know, that and, and sell his socks. That That's awesome. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that. So really, really awesome group of people. Again, that the funniest part too, again, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, great story here. So a friend of mine who's an amazing keyboardist, his name's Derek Sherinian knows a bunch of different musicians. He's again, probably top 10, again, arguably keyboardist of all time. So he's talking to his friends. I'm like, there's gotta be a way that we can do custom socks or, you know, license agreements for some of the people that you know, and that you actually played with. So he's going back and forth and back and forth. And he goes, yeah, I've talked to a few people. One of the people I talked to is Gene Simmons. He seemed like he was interested I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I get this random phone call that's, you know, blocked a number. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm surprised I answered it, but I did answer the phone and it was Cindy, this is Gene Simmons. And I want you to do socks for us. And I want to increase the IP for these brands and you can help me. And, but, you know, I actually thought legitimately thought it was semi being punked. So I was just like, yeah, 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 kind of talking again, being kind of snarky back and forth. He's being snarky. And, and I'm not a person that watches too much TV. And at one point I had gone to a friend's house who had had his reality TV show on. And like, I just kind of heard something that he said. And in that, for that little spot that I heard, he said, what say you? And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So in the conversation, he goes, I want to do all these different brands. And I'm like, well, I'd like to do Kiss. 
And he goes, I want to do these first. What say you? And I'm like, this really is Gene Simmons. It's so, really him. <laughs> awesome person. Never met him, but I've talked to him on the phone. I had email correspondence with him. Amazing business person. Does all of his stuff himself and just amazing business person. And then, you know, through different things, I did a bunch of socks with a, a man called Otis Link who has ties to Coachella. So we were able to do Coachella's socks and work with his partner and who is Gary Tobar, the founder of Golden Voice. And so we were able to do socks for Coachella and socks for Stagecoach, which has been great. Other people, John Logan, who is an amazing artist here in Santa Cruz, is just doing a mural right now for the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. But he introduced us to California Roots. So we've been able to do socks for, for Dan, who's, again, another stand-up guy from California Roots. And, I, you know, I think when you do as best business as you can, it, it kind of spreads. I'm looking forward to the future and, and spreading that, that goodness along the way. <laughs> and, and next time someone calls and identifies themselves as a, as a celebrity, you might believe them this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably won't, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you're probably, it's probably better to be suspicious. Well, yeah, see, that's, that's the downside. If you're kind of a snarky person is you end up with snarky friends who also do things like punk you. <laughs> so I, I could see why this, this would happen, but that's, that's amazing. And I know you've done a bunch of other musician uh, collaborations. I know you've had Blondie Socks. I know there are some that I think the Devo ones are fairly recent, right? I know I saw those not long ago. So yeah, Nico actually reached out to to Devo because I was like, I don't know anybody there. And he's like, well, I think I'm going to call. So he he opened the doors there. Guy opened the doors to the Jane Goodall Institute, which is phenomenal. Like, for me, if there's anybody that I would look forward to that is definitely, you know, blown through glass ceilings, it's Jane Goodall. So, you know, like that is an amazing collaboration. So I'm again, grateful. We did a bunch of stuff with the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And I think we worked well together during COVID. You know, they had some space where like, yeah, we're happy to, happy to put socks in there and I'll even staff it, like whatever we can do during this time would, would be great. So those things are great. And we've been fortunate enough to do, I think, two or three segments of Good Morning America. So that's been great. And then we did a couple socks with Lucille Packard um, Children's Hospital. It's uh, affiliated with Stanford. We were fortunate to do that because we had some family issues where we there was a kidney donor and a kidney recipient and so we know what it's like to go through that on our, on a family level. And they were kind enough to really open the doors to us. And we've done their transplant parties and picnics and, and, you know, events that they've done. So that's been awesome. Really, really awesome. Such a really cool, amazing range of connections and collaborations. Do you have like a list of, of like who maybe, you know, your top three, like dream collaborations that you haven't done yet that you would like to might be? You know, I don't, that's a good question. I, and I'm always um, surprised at the people that, that agree to do stuff with us or that reach out to us, you know, and anybody that reaches out to us, like how nice is that, that they want us to promote their art on our socks. I and mean, I think that's, that's awesome. That's, you know, what an honor. Some people we can do things with and others that we can't. For us, we're actually a little bit behind schedule because of COVID. 
So, you know, we're bringing more and more things out. I'm happy to, to trickle those things in little by little. Yeah. And the, and the net result is like, again, for folks who go, go to their, their site, I'll link it in the notes. You'll see like there's this really broad range of socks, both, both in the, the styles and the patterns. There's some more fairly basic ones. There's the, the musician collaborations and then some of this art. And like, again, anyone who knows like Jimbo's art will know it's, if you've, if you've seen any number of, of Santa Cruz skateboards, you probably seen his, his art pretty well known, but there's just this great diversity of, of products, both in design and in the different lengths and such of socks, which is really cool. Now you've referenced COVID several times in our conversation, and I wanted to ask about that. It sounds like COVID was a really impactful event for your business. And so talk about how it affected things for you and how you adjusted and adapted from that. Merge 4 prior to COVID was primarily a brick and mortar business, a wholesale business. Part of that conversation with Guy was talking about that, like we're primarily brick and mortar if there is a shutdown. And I came up with the thought that it was going to be six to 12 months and Guy was like 18 to 24 we had heard different things. And so he's like, if it's 18 to 24, you've got to completely ship to e-com. We had an e-com site on our, on our website, but we wanted to try to figure out a way that we could also do things with a retailer. We came up with a program and some people took advantage of it and some people didn't. But like if somebody bought a sock, they could type in their retailer and we give them a percentage of sales, much like a you know commission or something like that. And again, some people took advantage of it and got a check and some people didn't. But we tried our best to kind of navigate that during that period of time. For us, what hit us the hardest, and which is actually kind of segues into what was our challenge, biggest challenge, was Santa Cruz was hit pretty hard with storms. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we are, you know, three, a little over three miles from the beach, but we have redwoods. We were in an impact zone that was pretty rocky, to say the least. And we were in evacuation zone. We Our road was on the news. It completely washed out. There's only one way up this road and one way out. So 400 plus residents didn't have access to any emergency vehicles or anything, not for a long period of time. But there was a period where it was like issue after issue after issue mudslide completely blocking the road, trees down completely blocking the road, half the road washed out, the entire road washed out. And those are at different spots. It got to the point where residents had chainsaws in their car to really kind of get us out and move things. So for us, for for Merge 4, that was a really challenging time. Um, We lost a lot of business during that quarter because we do a lot of business in Santa Cruz and a lot of Santa Cruz businesses suffered. You know, you Think of the people that are on the wharf and how incredibly huge the waves were on the wharf. So the wharf was completely shut down. A lot of people in Capitola, their businesses were completely washed out. So for a good quarter, it was a little brutal. And for us, it it was really brutal. So I think that, again, with Guy's help during COVID, which was, you know, a national thing, it allowed us to pivot fairly quickly. And again, that was with a, a lot of guidance in, in our leadership team overall. I think we did a good job of that, but mother nature can be brutal. We got, we got slammed pretty hard with that. It's like a worst kind of WWF wrestling match ever where we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Body slammed by nature uh, repeatedly. Yeah. 
And <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and I, I, I certainly know these, these areas like with, with Santa Cruz, there's like the city proper, but you, you get just the littlest bit out of the city up in the hills and you have these curvy roads that are two lanes and they're not necessarily well maintained. And it doesn't take a whole lot of weather to start really throwing things off. And I, I can remember when I lived there times where I saw some of that happen to some of my friends. So in making the e-commerce pivot, you know, it's, like, okay, on the one hand, you don't have to rely as much on retail and brick and mortar and all of that. But at the same time, to be able to do the e-commerce, you've either got to be shipping all those socks or having someone do that. So was that something that was challenging in that pivot? No, 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 not at all. I mean, for us, really, I know it sounds kind of funny. We wanted to make sure that there was kind of an eco bag that we could ship things in that went sit in landfills. So we found that fairly quickly got that all taken care of and, and just move forward with the pick and pack process. I think one of the things that, that we're actually okay in is, you know, that the admin side of things and in the, the process side of things, we actually, actually won an award of that in B Corp for that, for governance, two for a community and one for governance, which I think is you know, maybe surprises people. People would definitely think of community for sure, but not the governance side. So I think we're pretty good about executing. Great when you talk about things all day long, but you know, there's got to be a period of time when you literally just, this is the facts we have right now. We got to get this done. And so, you know, go, go as hard as you can and kind of the go big or go home, like the executions, everything. Is that something that your past experience helped prepare you for and has helped you to navigate, do you think? Oh, for sure. Logistics, pick and pack, intellectual properties, all those things, uh, I think for sure. And so as you've grown and continued growing and your needs and, and such change, obviously challenges come up along the way. And with where you are today. Tell me a little bit about what is, you would say, maybe the biggest, one of the bigger challenges that you're currently facing and and trying to sort out. And let's see if we can unpack it a bit. The least challenging for us, I think, is a product. I, I, I'm going to read you something that Steve Jobs said, is you get the right strategy, you, get, you have the right people, you have the right culture at your company, you'll do the right product, you'll do the right marketing, you'll do the right things logistically in the manufacturing and distribution. And when you do all those things, the bottom line will follow. So we're doing all those things. I think those things are great. The challenge, which is any startup challenge, not just merge wars, but the, the really, the biggest challenge is securing capital and fundraising and keeping that going from a startup point of view and creating a brand from the ground up is a, a bit of a challenge. So Really, it's just capital base, which is outside of Mother Nature slamming us to the ground and, and reminding us who's boss because definitely she is boss. With that in mind, that's what we're doing. We're going through the motions of everything, executing as best as we can, fundraising as best as we can. And, you know, trying to play in a big boy sandbox with not those same big boy funds. It's been challenging, but it's been fun. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity to do it. It's just been awesome. And again, it's it's because of everybody else believing in and moving the brand forward. As it relates to the the fundraising, which is, again, none of this should be <laughs> inferred or implied to, to suggest that fundraising is ever easy or in any circumstances, because it's always a challenge. but what do you think is making it particularly challenging for Merge 4 at this time? 
friends and family is what we've gone out for. And there's a point where you exhaust that, you know? So I think that's probably it. We haven't gone into any of the big leagues yet. We'd have to convert our corporate status to do that. But overall, you know, I think it, I think it is what it is. There is some challenges as well. I, I, being a female owner definitely has its set of challenges. There's a lot of interesting conversation that revolves around that, you know, so that, that's always interesting. We're pushing through that and in hopes that that'll help other, especially like my daughter and my daughter's friends, that they can go out and do other things. Definitely there are people ahead of me that have opened doors that weren't open before. I mean, my mom couldn't even get a credit card without her husband when she was younger. So things have come you know, a long way, but not, not far enough, I guess. So um, there are challenges. You don't think you think everything's moving along slow, smoothly. You're at a specific growth rate. And then you've got a quarter of disastrous storms. So, you know, for us, that was the first time that we really ever experienced any sort of loss of, of, of revenue. Every, every quarter we have great growth. That was the only one. So, you know, those, those things are hard to swallow and you feel that you feel that harder when you don't have that, those big boy series A funding, you know, that, you know, the other two big brands have. Yeah. Obviously it does in a sense, put you at a, at a disadvantage. And as you work on moving beyond the friends and family funding, as you know, as you say, and face some of the, the challenges there, I'm, I'm, wondering how you might be able to use who you are and your identity as an advantage in doing that. Because I think there's a lot of things about Merge 4 that are different, that are unique. And is it a question of finding the investors and the companies who that speaks to instead of ones who it might scare off, right? And that's the thing with that world is you know, which one person's going to be like, no, to someone else, it's going to be like, oh, this actually makes them someone we're very interested in, or be very interested in investing in. So I'm wondering how that's in, informing your approach. I think there are a lot of differentiators with Merge 4 from starting with product to the the way we do business, lots of differentiators. You know, we've been really focused on doing our best to to scale as best as we can with the means that we have had, which has been challenging at times. So at this point, I mean, do you feel like you won't be able to scale to where you ideally would want to go without getting some other forms of an investment on board. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's a slower process. That's all. I mean, I do think you can scale to where you want to be. It's just going to be a slower process. So is this then for you a question of really about values and, and how you want to operate as a, as a company from the standpoint of investment and who supports you and whether that changes well, I think that whoever comes in will understand that those are the values. And I, I think that if somebody comes in and asks about the mission and the vision and they don't align with it, they'll politely bow out. But if they do align with those things that are, you know, I think, you know, being a B Corp really kind of says that you you value those things. And and without that, you can see that in all of our, our materials that we do value those things and you know, I think it's, it's a responsibility, you know, it's, I don't think it's a marketing ploy. I think it's a responsibility, I guess is the best way to put that. I had a conversation with EcoCart yesterday. So EcoCart is awesome. We've utilized that. And I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think it was something like over a hundred thousand pounds in 2022 of CO2 that we offset. 
and we put those directly into our community. So they plant trees and, and offset, you know, take care of the redwoods and offset all that CO2. You know, she had asked me a specific question regarding like the reason why we do that. Is it to help with, with our marketing and the way that we communicate? No, it, it's, it's, it's really at the core of who we are. When we first started that, we had like 11% of people opt in. Now we have almost 60% of people opt in. It's not a marketing ploy or anything. It's, it's really, really who we are. That's it's, it's down to our core. And for those who don't know, give a brief overview of how it works and how it shows up in the process of like someone's buying socks online and how does the EcoCart piece come into that? So EcoCart, I have that here. They map the order weight and then they, they map the contents of, of the distance that it's going. And so they use that to calculate the exact cost of offsetting that. And then you can choose where you apply that offset to. And for us, we want to make sure that is in a close enough radius. Mendocino is literally a little over four hours north of us. So for us in an area that has been um, sadly just destroyed by fire, you know, California has just been beaten up by fire for Merge 4 and, and our internal team, that's where we choose to decide. And we decide that collectively. Nobody decides for the most part anything on it on their own. So we decide that collectively. So if you're supporting Redwoods and you're supporting that in an area that's close to you, that has been, you know, in between that area has been ravaged with, with fire. I think, you know, those are the community aspects of, of things that I look at as community versus sustainability. Yeah. And it is, it's a very simple little thing. Like as far as the way it's set up in the checkout process, there's just this option you can select and they, you know, they just have this little amount there. It's, it's a small amount. And so I'm not surprised that you get good uptake on it. And there's nothing on the site that's like pushing on it. It's just, Hey, here's this thing if you want. And I think it's a, it's a cool idea. Cause again, it's another opportunity for one, for you as an organization to be able to look out for the world and things that you care about. And it's an opportunity for the con consumer to be aware and be mindful of the fact that like, Hey, there is a cost from a environmental standpoint to have these things shipped and you know delivered. And here's a way to to do something about that in a way that that does good. So it's it's a really interesting thing. I've only seen a few um, e-commerce sites as of yet using it. I think it's a really a really cool little thing. I think it's great. And then coupled with the right bag that actually is recyclable or actually just kind of composts down, all those things are awesome. Those are the things that for me are, are important to the brand. And especially as you shift into more e-commerce during the holidays or during COVID or whatever, having those things actually go away is a, is a better thing for me. And so take just a moment and talk about your packaging, both, both in for the products themselves, as far as how the, the socks are, but then as far as the shipping and stuff, how, what sort of things you've done on that front and how you have, how that's evolved for you over time with the business. So I have a really good friend. Her name is Michelle Clausen and she is a plastic free person. And she's just pelted that into my brain from the very beginning and the responsibility of living in Santa Cruz and the animals that have been destroyed. And, and I, I get that when people go, Oh my gosh, why are you so picking on straw as an example? And they live in the Midwest and they've never actually gone and seen a sea life or a bird, like literally choking on those things. And you're trying to help them and. You know, if it's a pelican, they've got those big beaks and you, you can't, it's horrible. 
So, so she has literally put that in my head pre before this was a, a thing. And so for, for Merge 4 to honor all things Michelle Clausen, everything is plastic free for Merge 4, including the hang tags. Keith Meek made a beautiful hanger for us, which helped us in that process. But that was really, really important from the very, very beginning. It was just making sure that that wasn't just a plastic barb or a plastic hanger that our socks were connected to. So everything is, you know, for the most part, recyclable, um, plastic free. I talked to you about the bags already and the, you know, offsetting the, the CO2. Outside of that, we recycle the boxes that we get stuff in. Um, we use very, very few new boxes and we do recycle quite a bit. We do annual reports where we actually report on how much we recycle every year or so. And we do that also. We keep track of that for B Corp because we report that, you know, during a period of time, but we, we recycle everything. I, I'm wondering, you may not have a sense because I know this, it, it's so clear that this is like something that was just kind of founding values here for you of like, this is how we're going to do things. But how much harder is it to make everything recyclable, to be mindful about reusing packaging and recycling. How much, how much more do you think that actually adds to the effort and cost of running the business? You know, I think in life, there's easy ways to do things, right? Super easy ways to do things. So you've got to dig a little bit deeper and, and go a little bit harder. But, but overall, I'd say, you know, time is money and it's just a little bit more time. But, you know, again, it's, it's something that's so incredibly important to us, you know, uh, one thing I have to say is that's one thing I'm so grateful to Rob Roscott for, because at the very beginning, as him and Geely, as an example, as the first investors of Merge 4, I just tweaked the sock and over and over and over. A lot of people think, oh, it's a sock, but I actually worked on the specific weave. It's one thing having great art, that the art blows out. What's the point, right, when you put it on? So, you know, all those things are... Or you know what, why do we want hemp yarn and why do we want, do we want bamboo and is there a right bamboo and a wrong bamboo? And let's just say for the, the people that know the difference, let, let's cater to those people because again, you want to make sure you walk the walk and then, you know, great. You're using poly because you want to, because it's going to wick your moisture. You know, what's the best way to use that? Um, unfortunately, we can't always use that in all the materials. It's a little bit more spendy in certain things, but we're, we're using as much as we can and recycling as much as we can. And again, every single time we go to increase our impact score, which is every three years you get recertified. Our goal is to increase our numbers. And that's, that's a huge thing. And this year, this year we were fortunate enough to have the help of interns from UCSE help us in that process. And it really blew our score up by Sheila McKnight has a great development program, a career development program at UCSE. And, you know, we're grateful to her for the students and grateful for the students that, that come here because they're very, very helpful. And um, so they really helped increase our score in 2020. It was at 98 and we just got recertified at 109.3. So those are big, big moves for us. Big moves. You know, the thing, that stuck out to me is I've, because I've talked to a, a number of companies who very much, very clearly, like from the get go, their whole thing was, we're going to be super conscious of the environment and how we do really everything that we do, right? We're going to, you know, make things out of recycled materials. We're going to look at recyclable packaging, whatever sorts of things. And the thing that's universally there is 
none of them actually know about how much of a cost difference is because none of them care, which I think I, I and I don't I think that's a good thing, right? It's like yeah, it's yeah. saying we're leading with our values here. And then we're building around that. And we do what we need to do to make a product that is viable and can be profitable and all of that. But I think it's just this very interesting and I think really important perspective is it's very much a leading with values and then going from there rather than leading from the standpoint of how do we minimize our costs so we can make as much money as possible? Right. With my past company, I really wanted to lead with the the values that from the, from the onset, because I think the past company that I had, there was like, well, one person had this idea and this person had this idea and, you know, it, it kind of bounced around a bit and this way it's just so clear, you know, and then when you, again, much like what Steve Jobs says, when you start with those and you stick to those, everything else will come. And I, I really believe that it starts with those values and what you want to do from the, the onset and what kind of product do you want to make? Do you want to make disposable product or do you want to make durable product? And for me, I want to make durable product. For a mom who has a kid that skateboards that were, was blowing his socks out constantly, I want socks that are built to last, that are built to last, that are good, but also are creative. Like we, you know, we haven't really talked about the fun side of those a little. We touched on that a little bit, but the, I mean, they're so creative. The artists are so creative and it just makes it such a joy that we've got an amazing artist, Kaya Koopman, that just blows doors on some of her ocean art in that definitely opened the doors along with her push as well. Probably a little bit of guys too, but that definitely opened the doors to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And it let us stay there because of the way that we do business, because they're very, very conscious of the businesses that are are in the aquarium, that we don't have any plastic in our packaging is, is something that's very important to them. And, it, and it's a standard that we have. So it wasn't something that we had to adapt to. So I think those things are great. I mean, super fun, super beautiful art, great materials, great people. All those things make, I think, a great company. And we're doing our best to move that forward as quickly as we can. So going forward for you, like, what is your ultimate vision for Merge 4? What would you like to see Merge 4 continue to evolve t- towards and into? Obviously scaling, we want to scale the company. That's the first and foremost in our minds, scaling and growing the brand so other people can appreciate kind of what we're doing and be recognized as a leader in the sock world for sure. Um, and I think there's tons of opportunity there. The sock industry, uh, I, I spoke a little bit earlier about being in uh, snow sports and sitting on the board. And when I left there, I think it was that industry was at 7.4 billion um, at the time. And when you look at that boots, bindings, poles, whatever it, you know, it's really a, a smaller segment. Um, socks is forecasted to be 65 billion by 2025. So one category reaching that it's something that, you know, everybody needs um, a person on our old board, my past businesses board, said to me, very, very kind person, Paul Meltzer said to me, the next thing that you do, I want to make sure that you do something that everybody needs and everybody needs socks. So, you know, again, great product, durable product, performance-based product that we can scale. If we can scale, we can do all the things on the community side that we want to do. It's, it's really scaling, growing it, 
taking care of what we need to take care of on a business side, but then taking once we take care of everything that we need to on a business side, take care of the community and the things that are important to us. Now, beyond the funding piece, which we've touched on a little bit, what other challenges or obstacles do you see along the way of continuing to scale and uh, to get larger and to be able to both give more people good socks for their feet, but also do more you know, in the world? What else is in the way there? Sure. It's, it's, it's really more product awareness. And we do a lot of guerrilla marketing and we go to a lot of events. And so, you know, just at Coachella alone being there, it, it opens the door to different things, but also... You know, we do other events that you know, that are a little bit smaller, but really make a difference in that community. We just did Downeyville. I think it's a downhill race in Downeyville, which is awesome. Just mountain biking like crazy. And to, to mountain bikers with socks work, you know, especially in that sort of terrain, you know, that's really important. So really kind of getting out there on a grill of marketing, because once you put them on, you probably don't want to change brands. And that's what we found. So it's getting them on more people's feet, getting that brand right. awareness out there and, and opening the doors to different things. So we have been very clearly like the music piece and the the sports and the outdoor sports piece are areas where you've been been working. I'm wondering if there may not be some merit for you too, even like looking in the sustainability space from the standpoint of like, you know, we know there's more and more conferences um, that are being held that are attracting companies that are sustainability oriented and finding a way to connect with them, whether it's being there, whether it's getting your, your products and, and their swag bags or something. I suspect that might be a market where there's a lot of potential too, because of people who will like your products, one, because they're good, but two, really because of how they're made. We do actually do custom socks. We've done custom socks for the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which is great because that's exclusive to their amusement park. And we've done socks for the Santa Monica Pier. We've done socks for UCSE. We've done socks for UC Santa Barbara. We've done socks for California Roots, Coachella, Stagecoach Music Festivals, Joe Bonamassa, amazing jazz guitarist. We do socks for his website. So we do a lot of custom socks that are unique for musicians, events, different opportunities there that are exclusive to them. For you, what's the kind of minimum size or scope of that that makes sense for you to do? And that's a 300 a unit minimum. So 300 pairs of socks. The banana slug socks at UCSE are just amazing. <laughs> Gotta love that mascot. So um, I did not know there were banana slug socks. Oh yeah, my gosh, that's great. So I'm going to go to the bookstore at UCSE. You can grab yourself okay. a pair. But yeah, just really kind of opening the door to, to more schools and, and more musicians and festivals and, you know, things that we have the opportunity to open the doors for. Well, Cindy, I'm really grateful for you coming coming on the show and also appreciative of of what you're what you're doing. I think this story here is it's really cool. One from the standpoint of just the, the such the orientation around the values and what you're trying to do, but two, seeing that that can be done and and actually the identity, right? Because I I think the 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 snark and the personality and just kind of who you are, I think it does show up in here. And really seeing that one can come and decide to build a business if one goes about it the right way that is honoring of and oriented around your values that's solving like a, multiple problems one through the product but two addressing you know problems in in the world and be able to do so successfully so it's a i think this is a great model and i appreciate you sharing about the story and kind of what's been going on in the journey with us here 
Well, thank you so much. I super appreciate you having me.